2: And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
4: Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene, was good?
3: But be careful because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano. Huh? Oh! Gene, run. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on
0: the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
5: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb,
6: and I'm Julie Douglas.
5: Julie, what's your relationship with spice?
6: Mmm, I'm really sensitive to it.
5: Yeah? So yeah, do you prefer sort of the blander uh, taste, the blander cuisine, or? I
6: uh, no, I don't like bland cuisine, but I can't take like you know you got the little the the menus with the, like the one mild chili pepper and two. Oh yes. I just feel like I'm so sensitive to it. If I I can can't really go beyond that one mild pepper.
5: Hmm. Well, I, I like some spice, uh, but, but I agree, there's, there's a limit for me. Because, uh, in my experience, just among the people I, I know, there, there seem to be essentially three types of individuals. So okay. the, the, the people who just are really adverse to spices and just really don't want anything messing with their, their palate spice-wise. And then there, there are people like me who are a little adventurous with the spice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are the, the, the individuals, and I, I seem to think Jonathan Strickland, uh, our coworker is one of, of these. Who will just go for the throat, like just throw me something just really spicy. Yeah. I want to try the hottest spice, uh, uh, imaginable. If you have a hot sauce that is new and dangerous, let me try it out. And, um, yeah, I just can't go for that because it just ends
6: up tasting like pain. Well, what I noticed too, and I, maybe this is just something that my, my gingered husband, ginger headed husband does, like a redhead thing, but he will break out in the sweats mm. and, he gets really euphoric too. Or maybe yeah. Now does he, he like the spice
5: or is he advert- He loves it. Okay. See, I've seen that before, uh, with, uh, with people I know who are crazy into the spice. They have this intense bodily reaction to yeah. it where so you're like, why do you love it so much? Because you look like you were just maced.
6: Yeah, exactly. Or pepper sprayed, yeah. right? Which is a pepper. I mean, I mean yeah. that gets
5: down to, I and mean, one of the, uh, the key ideas we're talking about in this episode is that that spices are, are chemical weapons that we've oh. uh, we've hijacked and manipulated and used for, for other purposes.
6: Indeed. And uh, spices have, have really taken uh, quite the position, I guess you could say, over the last 400 years. And we sort of take it for granted now. If you want some nutmeg, you just take it out of your cupboard, right, and just spread it on your food. But four centuries ago, the only nutmeg trees to be found fringed run island in the band of sea, which is now what we... Know of as Eastern Indonesia, and the Dutch, they so badly wanted to secure <laughs> those nutmeg trees that they killed off like a good amount of people. Yeah, it's like genocide for these nutmeg trees, and we forget this. We forget that this, these, uh, the spice trade really shaped empires, and um, some some were built and destroyed on spices. It's amazing.
5: Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of uh, difficult to overstate the importance of spices in uh, in human history and the establishment of trade routes. Uh, and also, just in cultural identity of a of a, of a place, you think of mm-hmm. any any particular part of the world, you th- think about their cuisine, you end up thinking about their spices, both indigenous spices and spices that ended up coming from outside uh, sources and ended up becoming a, a part of uh, of their identity. I mean, uh, for instance, you look at uh, at Thai cuisine, like there are elements of Thai cuisine that uh, that obviously are, are ingrained within the culture prior to outside interference, but then there are there are elements that uh, that came through via the Portuguese, uh, and those just become a part of the, the national culinary identity.
6: And that identity was something that we've been adding to over and over again, only because as hunter-gatherers, as people who could become agriculturally minded and really master fire, we could begin to concentrate on how we would cook our food and how we would flavor our food.
5: Yeah, know, I wanna I, I do wanna preface and say that when it comes to understanding the history of uh, of humans and spice, um, it, it's difficult to uh, to develop a you know really definitive answers. It's one of those things that's ultimately kind of lost to prehistory. We have some archaeological evidence that we'll get into, uh, but uh, but there are a few different ways of looking at this. Now, um, if you travel back in time though, you go back around ten thousand years, you uh, you, and you go past that point, you will. Find an age before the agricultural revolution. To your point, this is, uh, this is when we were hunter-gatherers, right? As, uh, Harold McGee points out in On Food and Cooking, uh, we be- benefited from a quote-unquote diverse yet chancy diet. So you never knew what your next meal might consist of. It might be dandelion leaves and a squirrel. It might be nuts and berries. Mm-hmm. A lot of different stuff was coming in, but there was, there was no dependency there. Um, but then we learn to grow, we learn to cultivate, we, uh, we settle down to an agrarian lifestyle in the same way the, that an unruly bachelor or bachelorette might, uh, if the spirit moves them, eventually settle into monogamous relationship. Uh, they trade variety and adventure for dependability. So we turned uh, to the concentrated energy and protein of rice, wheat, corn, and barley. Uh, but it, just as it was dependable, it was also kind of boring, right? Mm-hmm. The flavors were few and predictable, uh, but we still had a nose and a sense of taste that evolved uh, for the wild and uh, for the hunting and gathering. Uh, we had not changed into a different organism, even though we had found a new way to obtain uh, these vital nutrients. Uh but we didn't want to return to that old lifestyle, right? I mean, we didn't want to just become hunter-gatherers again, but we wanted to spice things up. We needed to provide stimulation. We wanted to provide play in our food, and so herbs and spices made that possible. We could make bland foods more flavorful again, even varied.
6: And this is very much the, the luxury of an agrarian society, right? Right. Because if you have um a food source that is predictable or fairly so, then you have a little bit more leisure time on your hands or, or even just time to focus on what you're eating and what it's tasting like as opposed to just putting something in your yeah.
5: mouth. Yeah, it becomes less about uh, I must find something today, be it squirrel or dandelion, and more like, hmm, well, it's going to be corn again because that's all there is right now, But uh, but what can I do to it? Could I perhaps add some dandelion or squirrel to that corn and uh, sweeten the deal?
6: So we don't have that that one piece of information that says ah and that is here's the year when humans began using spices right, right. all we can do is look at uh, anthropology and try to in some in some bits of archaeology and try to piece together when humans began to really use spices in earnest
5: yeah and you know there's some of the evidence uh, which we're about to look at here uh, you know shows that that maybe we were even using spices uh, to varying degrees. Uh, before we settled down to that agrarian lifestyle, because obviously, if you're a hunter gatherer, you're going around, you're trying different things, you're discovering maybe that some things are rather difficult uh, to to uh, to consume on their own, but if com- co- but if uh, combined with another element, uh, they might become a little more palatable. Uh, according to a 2013 study published in the journal uh, PLOS One ancient European hunter-gatherers were using garlic mustard seeds to give their foods a peppery kick as far back as 6,000 years ago. University of York archaeologist Oliver Craig and his team discovered microscopic specks of plant-based cilia on fire-scorched pot- pottery shards collected from three campsites in north-central Europe. Now, the evidence uh, dated back to between... Uh, 5,800 and 6,150 years ago, uh, the garlic mustard plant, also known as Jack by the Hedge. This would have been a pungent, peppery tasting black seed, but, but it has no nutritional value. Mm-hmm. So clearly this is something you would, you would only add if you wanted to, uh, toy with the flavor of a thing. So in this particular study, the researchers argue that their evidence, quote, suggests a much greater antiquity to the spicing of foods than is evident in the uh, macro-fossil record and challenges the view that plants were exploited by hunter-gatherers and early agricultural solely for energy requirements rather than for taste. Now, it's worth noting that this was a locally available spice, and it's uncertain uh, if the practice of using it was derived from contact with old-world farmers, uh, people who were already engaged in in the in, in the agrarian lifestyle style in the New East, or if they developed it locally. So the bottom line here is that our hunter gatherer ways paved the way for spice. We had the nose for it, and in all likelihood, our wandering ways gave us all the knowledge we needed to ultimately make that uh that BCE spiced pumpkin latte uh, that we all craved. What was the residue was found in the crockery, right, right? Yes.
6: Yeah. Now, what's really important about that is that the residue was found in the, the crockery there. Right. So that gives us a really good hint, like, hey, this was probably used in the actual cooking. Now, Dr. Haley Saul, who led the study from the University of York, um, it, which looked at that crockery, said that there's a cave in Israel where coriander has been found, and that's dated to around 23,000 years ago, but... You can't with certainty look at that coriander and say it was used in cooking because there's no evidence to support that. It could have used, been used as some, some sort of medicinal um, material or it could have been used in cooking or for even decoration.
5: Yeah, indeed. because central to this is just the, the idea that as, as we we were going around hunting and gathering, trying different things, uh discovering the properties of different plants mm-hmm. uh we 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 ended up cataloging them at least as part of our our oral history we knew what things you should not eat because they would kill you we learned what things were were good eats and then we uh, initially and then we eventually learned what things could be combined in small amounts to adjust the flavor or perhaps uh serve as some sort of uh, uh early medicine
6: indeed and in the process we've kind of figured out what exactly constitutes a spice in the first place?
5: Indeed. Uh, yeah, what are we talking about when we talk about a spice? Uh, well, uh, spice is a culinary term. It's not a botanical category and it does not refer to a specific kind of plant or plant part. Uh, spices come from various woody shrubs and vines, trees, roots, seeds, fruits, flowers, you name it. Um, cookbooks generally distinguish between seasonings those are spices used in food preparation and condiments. Those are spices added after food is served, uh, but they tend not to uh, differentiate between herbs and spices. But when you get down to it, um, herbs are defined botanically as plants that do that don't develop woody, persistent tissue, mm-hmm. and they're usually called in uh, as a, as a fresh ingredient. Whereas uh, spices are usually dried in a little bottle, et cetera.
6: Right, and spices are unique in that they have a certain physical uh, response to the human body. When you eat them, there are compounds in spicy foods that activate sensory neurons called polymodal nociceptors, which are found all over the body, but also inside of your mouth and your nose. So these same receptors are activated by extreme heat. That's why if you chomp down on, say, like a scotch bonnet, your brain screams fire, right? And your body follows suit. And then you begin to sweat and your heart starts to beat faster and faster. And in a sense, this is that flight or fight reaction that we have heard so much about. Um, that is what is so unique about spices that it's got those compounds. Now, not all of these spices are created equal, especially when you're looking at different kinds of chili peppers. Um, the difference lies in the type of compounds And the capsaicin. Now, the capsaicin and black pepper and chili pepper are made up of larger, heavier molecules called alkyl amides, which mostly stay in your mouth. But if you have something like mustard, uh, horseradish or wasabi, this is a good example, Mm. uh, you, those are smaller compounds. And, uh, those are called thiocyanates and they can float up into the sinuses. Ah, yes. And that is why if you take like some sort of wasabi, encrusted, I don't know, soy nut or something, pop it in your mouth. It just feels like your nose is on fire.
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I love about uh, about sushi uh, is, is when you have uh, some of that wasabi with the sushi and then uh, you accidentally use a little too much mm-hmm. and it comes as a surprise. And then because suddenly you, 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 it's up in your sinuses and you, yeah. it, it, it almost just locks down your system for a second. And, and maybe even for just a, a half a second, you think, oh, I think I'm going to die. Uh, something <laughs> something bad yeah. has happened to my body, and then you kind of come down from that the high of that spice.
6: And we'll talk a little bit more about the high of that spice in a moment. Uh, but we should mention the Scoville scale. Probably have heard that before when you've looked at Tabasco sauces or competitions. This measures how much capsaicin content can be diluted before the heat can no longer be detected by the human tongue. Um, so green peppers they get a zero units on the Scoville scale. Tabasco sauce gets about 1200 to 2400 Scoville units. Mm -hmm. And two of the hottest peppers, Trinidad Maruga Scorpion (laughs) and Carolina Reaper.
5: Those Those sound pretty intense. Right.
6: Terrifying. They come in at 1.5 million to 2 million Scoville units. Now that's half as potent as actual like pepper spray. Wow. Which is about 3 to 4 million.
5: Well, uh, hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will uh, get into some more on the subject of spices, including why plants produce spice to begin with.
0: I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family
3: Therapy.
1: My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it.
3: I've never seen a man
0: How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but...
0: Same old <laughs>
1: And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. right.
4: If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School Podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. from the trenches, we share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people, and we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
4: Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, was we'll
3: much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with.
0: So you ride the books, Gene, And Lastar on the business. I understand now, this a wise man uh, marries a wiser woman.
3: But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down!
1: I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on and it's high time you tell me the truth.
3: Freeze Americano! Huh? Oh! Oh! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts,
0: or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: All right, we're back. So why do plants want to kill us? Uh,
5: well, I mean that's that's kind of uh, the idea here. I mean, it's it, the the quote from Harold McGee that he uh, he often uh, throws out is that flavorings are chemical weapons. Uh, but we've uh, we've learned to hijack them. We were, you were talking about the Scoville scale, and that's really key to all this because generally with spices, a little always goes a long way. You try eating any kind of a raw spice or or an herb, and you generally find the flavor of it. Uh, extremely overpowering. Mm-hmm. You, you know, oregano, vanilla bean, uh, nutmeg, uh, m- most of this stuff, if you're just taking it just straight up, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be irritating, it's gonna be numbing, it's going to make you physically ill, because these are d- defensive aspects of the plant. This is the plant trying to tell other organisms, a- and also, um, uh, not only just uh, plant-eating organisms, but even uh, you know um, bacteria
0: mm-hmm.
5: saying, "Do not eat me. I am dangerous. If you if you if you bite of me, even if you smell of me too much, uh, it's going to hurt." But humans uh, have learned over time that well, I can take a little bit of the the harmful substance, mm-hmm. and if I dilute it, if I, I can I can actually turn it into a form that I can consume.
6: So, in other words, for the plants, it's a kind of self-producing pesticide. Yeah. For itself to protect itself. And we large organisms come along and we we uh, rip off scotch bonnet, use a little <laughs> bit usually. And uh, we're not going to die from it. Right.
5: Yeah. Just to call back to our episode on nutmeg. Uh, if you swallow about two tablespoons of ground nutmeg and you most certainly should not. Uh, you could suffer hallucinations, nausea, heart palpitations, uh, rapid heartbeat, rushing blood, the feeling that you're going to die. Uh, at least one death has been reported, mm-hmm. and that's just nutmeg. You can buy it off the shelf at the local store. Uh, it's in your, it may be in your cabinet right now. And and this is kind of the case with with a, with a number of spices. Just about any spice, if you take enough of it, you're going to get sick. It's it's going to have a, a dire effect on your body.
6: Which makes you wonder why do we consume these in the first place, right?
5: I mean, indeed, it, you, you you sort of put yourself in the head of the our ancient hunter-gatherer uh, ancestors and try to imagine them, you know, sampling a, a pepper for the first time mm-hmm. and just you know falling over and gagging. And then, and instead of thinking, "I'll never touch that again," they think, "I bet I could do something with that." You know, just <laughs> the, the the early chemist uh, in, in in human civilization who who said, "There's there's something potent there." And maybe I can use that potency to my advantage.
6: Well, especially if you look at food as a kind of medicine, right? Because we know here that it can have antimicrobial properties. This is from John Roach, writing for National Geographic. He says, Paul Sherman, a professor of neurobiology and behavior at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, says that uh, his research shows that people in warmer regions of the world benefit from eating spicier foods because spices are natural antimicrobials. So you have more foodborne pathogens and parasites in warmer climates. So in this sense, spices can kill or inhibit their growth.
5: Yeah. I mean, the basic idea here is you're in a, you're in this hotter climate. There's a, there's a a richer uh, microbial world trying to kill you potentially. Uh, (laughs) And so you have taken the chemical weapons of a plant and are using that to defend your food from uh, those attackers.
6: Yeah, John Roach says that when uh, people in a country like Thailand, for instance, eat a spicy meal, they are much less likely to spend the next day with a bout of diarrhea than people in that region who eat bland foods. So there's definitely an advantage to eating the spicier foods. And for Paul Sherman's part, to prove his hypothesis about the climate-dependent evolution of spicy foods, he and his colleagues compared recipes for more than 4,000 meat dishes and 1,000 vegetarian dishes among thirty-six countries, as predicted, countries with the warmest climates have the spiciest food, and particularly with those meat dishes, you see uh, much more higher levels of spice being used in those.
5: Yeah, I mean, I instantly think of, of Thai cooking because with with Thai cooking, obviously, you have a hot environment, you have a lot of spices thrown into the meat, and additionally, the meat is cooked at a, uh, generally at a really high temperature to boot, mm-hmm. um, which is you know one of the reasons that uh, it's often advised that you're, you're generally okay with, uh, with any kind of street food in Thailand if you, you know, if you see it cooked before you because the temperature is high and then you have the spices in there as well.
6: Yeah. And again, you've got meat in a hot climate, which equals more pathogens, more parasites. Right. So pour on the spices.
5: Yeah. And if you look at all this from uh, you know, a Darwinian uh, standpoint, you can see how that kind of culinary tradition; those who uh, who hold that up, those are going to be the survivors, right? So that's kind of the evolutionary model here. Those who enjoyed the spice, those who enjoyed uh, the style of cooking, those are the people that survived in these uh, in these environments. Now, that's not to say there are not alternative hypotheses to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, one alternative hypothesis is uh, is uh, is that simply uh, hot climates you see a, a preference for spicy foods because these increase uh, perspiration and help cool the body
6: and so. we already know that right your body is interpreting this as heat
5: right so again think to our think to that uh, the, the, the to your husband to uh, anybody you know who's uh, who's into to eating the spicy food and then sweating profusely uh the sweat is of course cooling their body so you could argue that when they when they uh, when they have something really spicy they're simply uh, uh tinkering with their body's cooling system indeed uh, another uh, idea here, another hypothesis, is that spices uh, merely signify wealth and social status. And this gets into, uh, again, some of what we discussed about the way that spices have influenced uh, uh, world politics and uh, and certainly the uh, trade around the world. Uh, so spices become uh, uh, something of a, of, a, of, a, of a status symbol, something of a, of a luxury. And uh, therefore, having a lot of spices at your disposal, being able to eat well-spiced food is simply... Uh, living the high life
6: i think it indicates skill level too
5: oh indeed yeah yeah you could easily see that being uh something that plays into mate selection right uh another
6: chefs out there just nodding your head yeah yeah
5: Yeah, and and i say that as someone who uh, screwed up making uh, macaroni and cheese over the weekend oh yeah yeah i accidentally put the cheese and the um and the milk into the boiling water with the noodles it was, it was quite embarrassing. Oh, yeah.
6: wow. You were just distracted, I think. I was. That there, sounds I, like...
5: It was just me and uh, the boy and the cat, and the boy and the cat were both in the kitchen with me trying uh-huh. to tell me things at the same time. But, uh, you know, I just ended up, it just ended up being buttered noodles, and the, the child loved it, so...
6: And as we have already mentioned before in our research, that cats can mimic that kind of um, infant-like cry. Yes. Like, they can game that. Uh, so when you hear your your cat whining for food, and my cat does it all the time, it just puts me on on needles. I just can't stand <laughs> it, especially when my kid is yakking at me. So I hear you.
5: Okay. Well, uh, another alternate hypothesis to consider is that the health uh, benefits of spice uh, aid digestion, mm-hmm. modulate uh, energy metabolism, and even help uh, postpone some uh, degenerative diseases. And uh, indeed, there are a number of examples we can call out to. Uh, there have just been countless studies over the years and continue to be more and more studies about different spices, what their health benefits mm-hmm. uh, happen to be. And we're certainly not going to go through all of those. Um, if you go back to our nutmeg episode, we discussed nutmeg a bit. But uh, just to highlight a couple here, uh, vanilla uh, has uh, there have been numerous studies that have demonstrated that uh, vanillin, the major component of vanilla, has anti carcinogenic properties Um in studies at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, a vanillin-derived drug on mice uh, was able to significantly reduce uh, the percentage of sickled cells, uh, and uh, human studies are apparently in the work on that. If you look to black pepper, just straight-up black pepper, well, um, in a study in the Journal of the American College of N- Nutrition, gastroenterologists found that 1.5 grams of black pepper uh, sped up the time it takes for food to move all the way through the GI tract, and in animal studies on lung cancer, uh, pepperine changed the level of several enzymes, producing an anti-tumor effect. Uh, black pepper extracts added to the diet of mice with breast cancer increased lifespan by 65%. I, I could go on even just about pepper. There are so many studies about its health benefits.
0: I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy.
1: My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it.
3: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling, is choosing the right travel partner.
4: Jean. Eugene Fodor. Jean, what's we'll with it?
3: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So You write these books, Jean, and
0: last on the business, I understand now, it's a wise man uh, marries a wiser
3: woman. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage
0: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue.
6: Now that's all that's all great and well. Yeah. But what about those people who seem to be seeking it out? And I'm not talking about people in warmer climates. I'm talking about, say, some some guy or gal in Norway, yeah. right? <laughs> Which you would have less pathogens, right, and less rotting food.
5: Mm-hmm. Um, You're talking about a guy in the dead of winter uh-huh. who goes to the light, or a gal, and, or a gal, yeah. Both. Yeah, let's yeah. do both of them. Yeah, let's do both. Guy and a gal that go to, uh, say, a, a, a Thai or a Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. in the dead of winter, and they say, give it to me. Give me the spiciest you can do. Make it Thai spicy. Make it Mexican spicy. Just- They're
6: like Trinidad, Trinidad Moruga scorpion Yes.
5: Yeah, I challenge you to, to hurt me with your food.
6: Yeah, I want the Carolina Reaper, and I want it now. Researchers at Penn State University Uh, They investigated the link between personality traits and affinity for spicy food. And they found that sensation seekers or people who enjoy the thrills of roller coasters, gambling and meeting new people were generally more enthusiastic about spicier dishes. And we have talked about that novelty gene before.
5: Yeah. I mean, you tend to associate uh, really spicy food with adventurous eating, with going outside of your, your 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 comfort zone, even to try something new, something spicy.
6: Which would tie into the reward system of the brain, right? Ah. Um, now I don't, I feel like this isn't as clear cut as junk food or, you know, salt or fat things that we eat sometimes in junk food that make our brain go ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there is a euphoric sense that a person gets. So it would make sense that if they ate something that was really hot, they might really say play off of that feeling. And in a series of experiments, Sung Gong Kim, who is a psychiatry professor from Busan National University in South Korea, found what might be a possible link between spicy food and alcohol, because, again, both of them will stimulate the brain's reward systems. And he found, Professor Kim found, that not only are people who are dependent on alcohol more likely to enjoy eating spicy food, but that medication to treat Alcohol problems is more effective in people who prefer spice. Huh. So what he did is, um, he gave two groups of drinkers a drug called naltrexone, which blocks the opioid reward system. And he found it was effective, effective in the people who preferred spicy food, but not in the other group. Huh. Now, again, this is just one study, but it's, it's interesting to try to look at. Why some people really do go after that spice so voraciously?
5: Yeah, and they they, they do go after it with a uh, with a passion that is often just perplexing uh, to, to anyone who doesn't share that uh, that love of the spice. Now, there's another alternate uh, hypothesis here, and it's kind of a boring one because uh, this one would be that uh, there's no benefit. The idea that the uh, patterns of spice use arise because people just like to take advantage of whatever uh, you know, sweet or cool-smelling plants are available to improve the, the, the taste of their food.
6: I think it kind of falls in that column of benign violation theory. We've yeah. talked about this in terms of humor. Like, why are some things funny? Because they're they're just threatening enough to be edgy, but they're benign. There's really no actual threat there.
5: Yeah, I mean, I can definitely get that. Uh, again, just thinking back to the, the wasabi punch mm-hmm. you can get uh, when, you, when you're having sushi, uh, because it... it you, I never actually feel like I'm going to die, but it sets off, it sets off all the alarms in my body, uh, for just a second. And then there's that euphoric come down from, uh, from, from the spice.
6: The I survived come down. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It,
5: it's kind of, uh, yeah, I, I could see, see that, uh, that hypothesis, uh, ringing true. Now, of course, in all likelihood, um, uh, we're talking about a combination of multiple factors in, mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of, uh, human, uh, use of spices, um, uh, we craved uh, the flavor and the flavor brought with it health benefits and and where those health benefits provided a survival advantage. Spice culture flourished. Um, and so we we end up in this rich and spiced uh, age that we live in today. I mean, really an unprecedented uh, availability of spice in our lives.
6: Yeah. Remember that next time you reach for nutmeg. You
5: yeah, know? indeed.
6: 400 years ago. Not so easy.
5: You know, interesting fact, after we did our nutmeg episode, yeah. I have put nutmeg uh on my smoothie every morning ever since. Yeah. I, well, maybe this may be not an interesting tidbit. It's kind of a boring story actually, but uh but just a uh, just an, an example of how a podcast changed uh my life in a very small way.
6: Well, there you go. And I was just thinking about this little factoid the other day, you know, Jamie Oliver the chef? Yes. He admitted that he uh because he could not exact corporal punishment upon his teenager. Uh, after she was really sassy to him, that she he cut up an apple for her and then rubbed it with scotch bonnet, ah, oh, and gave it. To he, her. So he
5: he couldn't do anything to her except use chemical weapons against her.
6: Yes, body. and I thought, yeah, indeed, it can be a weapon.
5: Huh? Well, what's your what's your favorite spice? What's what's one of one of your because we can't just say oh I only like this one, but but what comes to mind mm. is a spice you really like to use or or I take?
6: really like clove and cinnamon. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm I guess I am more of a mild. I'm not. I guess I'm more of a warm doucheur. A Yeah? Yeah. Okay. It's the German for someone who just wants to take a warm shower. Never a hot or cold one.
5: Oh, is that one of those words that only exist in German, but not in English?
6: Yeah. Okay. You?
5: Uh, I really like paprika. I mean, I like a lot of different spices, but I and I don't cook a lot. But when I do cook, I often do like veggie bake things where you just, you know, chop up a bunch of uh, veggies, uh, sweet potatoes and what have you, and toss them with some oil and salt and pepper, and then I throw in a little paprika. And uh, yeah, I love that.
6: That sounds delicious.
5: All right, so there you have it. Um, I'm sure everyone has some feedback on spices. Uh, if there's anyone out there who doesn't like spices at all, I, I would I would love to hear why. I would love a, a good explanation uh, on on that point. Uh, you're not in trouble, but we would like more just more insight on on how how your your brain and your body works. Um, as always. Check out more podcast episodes, more blog posts, um, more videos, links to social media on our web page. That's stufftoblowyourmind.com. Uh, check out the landing page there for this episode. We'll include uh, links to other episodes we've done, such as that nutmeg episode we mentioned, uh, as well as some links out to some some resources uh, outside our website that you might find interesting.
6: And if you have any thoughts on this episode or any others, you can always drop us a line by emailing us at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
4: If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests. Then, listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
4: Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene, was we'll good?
3: But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano!
2: Huh? Oh. Gene!
3: Listen
0: to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Oh hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast Climbing in Heels is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist.